On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, it's our Happy Birthday Linda Blair episode, and we'll be discussing 1980s disco roller skating opus Roller Boogie from the director of Commando. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a bi-weekly movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film from cinema's past, considered but not limited to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, each episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Episodes available on cultcinemacavalcade.com and iTunes. Like the show on Facebook and follow on Twitter at CC Cavalcade. For questions, suggestions, and all inquiries, contact us via mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 39. This is Brandon, and as always with me is your co-hoster who is Hell on Wheels, Cullen. I hope you're ready for a boogie wonderland. (laughs) Today we're here to discuss the 1980 film Roller Boogie. Cullen, lace up your rollers and tell us what this movie's about. Skaters band together to keep their roller disco open. Roller Boogie is directed by Mark L. Lester and stars Linda Blair, Jim Bray, Beverly Garland, Kimberly Beck, and James Van Patten. I also want to point out a Halloween connection, as this is a, a Erwin, Erwin Yablons production, and shot by Dean Cundy, who, uh, Erwin Yablons is the man who, the source of the start of Halloween, he was the guy with the idea and the pitch, and, you know, the producer on the original film, and he had Compass Films International, and he also is the story originator for Roller Boogie, and the producer of it, too. <laughs> And got Dean Cundy to shoot it. So no one bats 100% is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and then him and Linda Blair would team up right after this for Hell Night, too. Interesting guy, that Erwin Yablons. Very interesting um, independent motion picture maker uh, at the time. He's pretty, you know, pretty important guy if you look at stuff he set, standards he set and stuff in the 70s for independent uh, features and focusing on filmmakers, but that's a story for another day. Today we're going to roller skate with uh, our favorite Linda Blair, which last year we did for her birthday, we did Savage Streets. Yes, a a movie where her sister was was raped, and she decided to get revenge. So, happy birthday! You know what? You know what? There's no rape in this, but there is some unpleasant male chicanery that happens in this. But it's it's like Sesame Street compared to... To Savage Street, so I'll, I'll take that win, I guess. Yeah, we're going to go a lot happier this time around. Linda's birthday is January 22nd, so two days after mine, but this episode drops the 16th, so, and then we don't have an episode on the 23rd or anything, so here it is. 
early. I don't know. Depends what day I think the week starts, right? I mean, you can just download the episode and then just wait until her actual birthday to listen to it. I mean, that's whatever you want to do. That's what she does. I, I mean, she's, you know. I'm sure, I, I'm sure that's what she does. Sure. That's what she does. So, uh, Roller Boogie, 1980. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, Mark L. Lester directs this. He would follow it up with a, a, a very good candidate for Cult Cinema Cavalcade, Class of 1984. Have you seen that one? That sounds familiar, but I'll need you to it's, refresh it's, me. It's one of the, it's, I think it's the very first teacher goes against students movie where like you mm-hmm. know he goes to a rough school it's like in a it's kind of like this pseudo future where these punks have like kind of run this school and this new guy comes in doesn't take crap from them and mm-hmm. you know ends up getting in like fights and this ends in this like bloodbath in the school with him <laughs> getting his revenge on them but it's uh it's awesome well it sounds like the the director is very good at making i don't want to say not sleazy that's not right not campy i guess just popcorn movies i guess you would say because yeah, he direct, yeah, yeah. You know, he directed this. He directed that movie that that you said, uh, Class of 1984, and then also, uh, you know, Commando, Firestarter, Stephen King. Movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Those are all like entertaining movies. I spent New Year's Eve watching Commando with my wife. Heck yeah. We didn't know. Usually, we go out with people or do something, but this year was just dead, and we decided like, let's. Let's watch Commando this year, and I regret nothing. It was excellent. He's also got a, a little personal favorite of mine in his uh, repertoire, Showdown in Little Tokyo, with the, the pairing of uh, Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren versus uh, uh, Shang Tsung from the Mortal Kombat movie. Yes. And did that also... Tia Carrera with a body double. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I've seen that. That bizarre movie. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that movie. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's got. I mean, those are his. I mean, we've pretty much named all the ones that anyone may have seen. There's a lot of stuff that I was looking up that I was like, oh, well, I remember seeing that box of the video store. I never rented it. And there's like a, there's like some Blue Diamond Phillips movie or stuff like that. But <laughs> that seems about right. He's a fun director. I think he's. I think he's Canadian. Maybe that's where the Jim Bray Canadian roller skater connection comes from. But he, Jim Bray, uh, star of the movie was a last-minute replacement. He was the stunt double for whoever the male lead was going to be in the movie, which was originally Linda Blair's boyfriend, who was also Canadian at the time, but they broke up, and nothing official says that she didn't want him in the movie, so that's why he was replaced. And Peter Gallagher was a possible replacement, but then they just ended up using Jim Bray. That explains a few things, because as I watched the movie, I thought, why did they pick him like they well they obviously picked him because he's good at roller skating that's clear uh but there's not a lot of sparks between our protagonist here the the the, the male and the female lead in this movie i don't think the script helps him too much with the romance no it it, it doesn't it, if there was just any chemistry at all between them i was like okay i can buy this a little bit and if it was her actual boyfriend you know i would think okay i can i can see kind of the sparks on the screen here but there was there was not much chemistry it was more or less just linda blair trying to convince herself that she liked bobby in the movie it was the character's name man i think he holds his own with all like his male buddy guys in the movie i I think you know he's not like a you know stand tall above but he gets lost in the crowd with him which is i mean that as a compliment for someone who's never acted before. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I also, I remember none of his buddies' names because I knew none of them would be important. Phones, I, man. I, phones. I, I remember phones. From the Beat It video. Oh, yeah. He was one of the guys in the knife fight. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, there's all kinds of, of star-studded achievements in this movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, these are the, uh, this is one of the, you know, disco-era, like, notable movies, which I think they were trying to do 
you know, with roller skating with like Saturday Night Fever, different, you know, disco dancing, but well, with no idea of what really made Saturday Night Fever tick. Yeah, that was absolutely the pitch was it's Saturday Night Fever, but with roller skating, even though like that, the whole thing of Saturday Night Fever, it's not about the dancing. It's about Tony trying to get out of his situation. It's, a, it's, a, it's you know, it's the anti-hero story. It's, there's like a coming of age, fighting adversity, fighting against yourself. Like there's so much to Saturday Night Fever that this movie has none of, aside from disco music and styles. That's that's the only thing they share because that's what a lot of people. I'm not gonna get on a Saturday Night Fever's tangent. If you guys want us to review it sometime, sure. Write us emails. But a lot of people don't realize they think they've seen Saturday Night Fever, but they really haven't. I mean, that's a lot of people think it's just oh, it's just John Travolta walking around, look cool, and dancing in clubs. You know, the Bee Gees. It's like there's way much more to that movie <laughs> than that. And then people see it and they're like almost mortified. Yeah, like there's like the, it's a dark movie. Yeah, there's the girl that like she feels like she's been used and passed around, and you know, John Travolta has to convince her not to kill herself. Yeah, you know, there's some heavy stuff in that movie. There's yeah, it's, I mean, it's just it's gripping, which this. This movie is not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but that's yeah. It's a very dramatic movie with a soundtrack that people will remember. Yeah, it's yeah they. That's what this movie thinks it is, and it's it's not even close. And but what is it? You know, we open this movie with skates getting put together, and Jim Bray walks by the window of his apartment as he's credited for being in the movie. I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of cute. The, the, the opening of this movie, it, it looks like it's from an alternative reality where yes. everyone or skates. I said, yeah, he, he talks to phones, and he's like, let's go skate! And I'm like, I wrote, they live in some sort of magical roller skate musical <laughs> fantasy land. Like, literally, I, like, the first five minutes of this movie, you don't see a person not wearing roller skates in this movie. And that doesn't like I, know the dance moves or the secret handshakes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a part in this movie where there's a couple making out oh, yes, on a on dumpster. dumpster! But no, no it's okay. It's okay. They laid a box down. Did you see the box? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> we're not, we're not cretins here. We're... Yeah, we're Just not trying trash. to hush. Put that, put that uh, cardboard that was laying next to the dumpster on top of the dumpster, and then we'll make out uh, oh, and until, then, until our roller skating buddies come by. And then they, then they get to the end of whatever track or something this is, and they're like, "Hey, it's Jumpin' Jack Flash!" And Jumpin' <laughs> so, Jack Flash comes by and jumps over like five barrels on his yeah, skate. It, it was, it was really nice of someone to set up a a, a little stunt area for these people because there are like. Like soda cans lined up that they could do like a little slalom thing around, yeah. and then uh, there's like what, two rows of these cans, and the Jumpin' Jack Flash jumps over it, and then the Jar Jar Binks of the movie rolls in. Oh, the clumsy what, skater, yeah, yeah, he has an actual name. I refuse to to remember his name. It was like Coordinated Donnie or something. I don't care. He's not relevant to the movie. He can shove it up his ass. He comes in just like once here. I think they remind us he exists somewhere in the middle, and then he has a part in the end. And then we go to, uh, I just put, it's the rich people's house, because it's oh, yeah. huge. It's a mansion, and that's where Linda Blair, who plays Terry, she's packing up to go skate and, like, gears up very, uh, centrally. Yeah, I, I will admit, when she was getting ready, there, there was a part where she was, like, switching out her top, and I saw one of the straps go down, like, okay, here we go, Linda Blair boob shot. But then, like, it cut away. It's like, ah, oh, all right, all right, that's fine. Those sweet Just, rainbow and blue shorts. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of rainbow in this. I, there is there is as many pairs of rainbow suspenders in this movie as any season of Mork and Mindy. Right. It is ridiculous the amount of rainbow suspenders in this movie. There must there must have been some kind of rainbow suspender lobby that was like had something to do with the financing for this movie. They're like, we will if you can get rid of some of these. Uh, we have this excess. They ain't go in the liquidation sale. Rainbow suspenders. You could use them in your movie. We'll throw down some for the budget. Some kind of tax rebates on rainbow suspenders. Right. She goes down to her uh, parent and the and their their servant maid, whatever you want to call her, and her parents are got their nose in the paper. Which I think teens today, they could relate, you know, going downstairs and your parents' noses are in their iPhones, right? <laughs> right, kids? What? This movie's timeless. The uh, CCCK, they call it Cinema Cavalcade Kids. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what they're called, yep. Yep. And she's telling them that she's going to go to the beach and commit suicide. And they're like, okay, honey, bye. Well, I thought I'd go down the beach today and commit suicide. That's nice, lovey. Have a good day. Well, if anybody wants me, I'll beat City Moore. Parents played by the sweet Beverly Garland is the the horrible mother in this movie. Mm-hmm. So Linda Blair picks one of the fancy antique cars and drives off to the beach, and she picks up her friend Lana, who is uh, which we just got done talking about a Friday the 13th movie. It's Trish Jarvis, Kimberly Beck from Friday the 13th Part Four, Tommy Jarvis's sister. Yeah, she's she's more memorable in Friday the 13th than she is in this. But from from her uh clothing though, not nah, more memorable in this than Yeah. Which is yeah, funny she, because she plays the the virginal character in Friday the 13th the final chapter and this is it's like polar opposite. Well, I even think she's really I mean I mean she wears revealing clothing, but it's not like she is she's not easy. No. It's just it's just what she wears. Right. The idiots in this movie take it to mean that she's ready to go, but she's not. She's just a human being, but every man in the movie doesn't seem to understand that. So they talk some wealthy girl stuff and head for the beach, and they go skating in the street, and we see how many, like, skate stores and skate places are everywhere. And I'm not talking skateboards. I'm talking roller skate. Yeah, I think part of the reason this movie got made were executives somewhere like, what are the kids into? Roller? Skate. Right. Let's make roller. They, they're everywhere. I see them all the time. We're gonna make a movie about it. We're gonna we're gonna get rich well, off our roller yeah. skating movie. It's like four or five years later. Canon Films is like, hey, we need a breakdance movie. Break yeah. in. Break in. This, it was Break in and Beat Street. The, the race to the be the first breakdance movie. This felt a lot like a Canon movie. Oh, like the, yeah, yeah. The only reason this wasn't, they just didn't think of it first. Right. Like, was, it, was, well, see, they when, weren't um, there yet. They, I mean, they were still getting. Uh, I think Last American Virgin was like a year away from them blowing okay. up. Because uh, the um, the Apple was already out, correct? Same year. Uh, I think same it was, year. I think okay. It was, I think it was Apple was eighty. Yeah, eighty so, was eighty was huge. Eighty had the Apple Xanadu, Can't Stop the Music, Fame, and Roller Boogie. All this in this year. Yeah. So Apple wasn't big enough to start copying other studios yet. Right. And I think the Apple was released before Roller Boogie, because um, Roller Boogie was cr- a Christmas release. But so uh, Jim Bray, who plays Bobby, is his name. 
He works at a skate shop in the middle of the the, the boardwalk, the beach, and there's a and, and, and would you agree that Bobby looks like he's made over from leftover parts of Eric Roberts? Oh, completely. It's like it's like all right, we've got Eric Roberts' nose, chin, and his brow, and let's just put like, like a 15 year old boy's body on him, and we'll feather his hair a little bit, and then we've, <laughs> there we've got a human being. If, if Eric Roberts made it with a townie, it'd be his kid. <laughs> He's part carny. <laughs> While he's there working, his friend phones is there, and this, this girl comes up who's just thirsty for him, and they talk about the boogie contest, and she wants him to come skate with her. So they roller skate in the street, which catches the eye of Terry, and he skates over to her and says, hey, you're neck, but she just blows him off. And then two dudes who, you know, sometimes I don't know if they're his friends or they're just guys that are hanging around, and then by the end of this movie, they all realize they should probably just be friends. <laughs> I think you're right. It's like, you know what? We hang out all the time. I guess we're just friends. Maybe we should stop giving each other so much shit. Yeah. They act like they're holding up Bobby. Like he like pulls a switchblade comb out on him. And Yeah, I thought, like, oh, man, are, are, is there going to be some kind of rivalry? Like, no, they're just having we, fun. We, didn't, there, we no, didn't get a no skate, skate fight. That's... <laughs> like... I, I, you know, it, what's awesome is the step-up films. In the third step-up movie, you get, like, mm-hmm. like an attack on someone via dancing. Like, a, a guy's <laughs> almost, like, murdered in a bathroom stall via, like, that. that's how awesome that movie knows to go to those levels. But, I mean, they can't give us, you know, a skate fight here. But, oh, well, they give us some stuff later on. He's oogling at Linda Blair at a frozen fruit stand. But he's like, nah, dude, it's not going to happen. He goes, no rinks in Beverly Hills, just minks. Yeah, that that was an attempt at a joke that they made. They have many attempts at jokes. There are several times in the movie where you think, "Oh, that was that was their joke." Well, stick to stick to the the roller skating. That's what you that's what you're good at. Linda Blair, Terry, we find plays flute in a small couple piece. What do you call it? Orchestra, like quintet. I it's a string um, chord quintet or something. It was is a quartet, I'd say. Yeah. There's Franklin. The rich asshole guy. She can just tell by looking at him. He doesn't even have to say oh, yeah. anything. He stares at Linda Blair's legs while she's playing. And then her parents are there and talk about her traveling to New York on a scholarship. Franklin tries to fondle her in front of everybody, and she makes him spill the hors d'oeuvres all over himself. Right right on his lap. Yep. It's later, and she's trying to leave. And in the garage, Franklin, like, accosts her. Yeah, he's wearing, you know, like his... A towel, because his pants yeah, he's got wearing dirty. A... Exactly. But yeah, he absolutely... Like, I don't know if he pins her against the wall, but he... He starts, you know, attacking her. Oh, Franklin, I swear! If you have more hands than a poker game... Going slumming at the beach again? You know, your mother thinks you're going out with me tonight. Franklin, I'm not in the mood for octopus rallies. Terry, I need you. Your body's driving me crazy. Franklin, Barbie does drive you crazy. Franklin, you're oversexed. Come on, Terry. Franklin, stop it! Terry, give me back that towel! Terry! Terry, I'm sorry. Terry, please, come on. My mother's inside. So what? It's not that big a thing anyway. I'm glad that she doesn't let him get away with it. That's yeah. such a sleazy thing Oh, God, he's, like, do. attacking her, and then she takes off his towel so he doesn't have any pants on, and he gets all worried while she's driving off. <laughs> Terry, then, her and Lana show up at the roller rink that night. 
and Bobby and friends lurch at her car, but the two manage to ignore them and just go right in. They're really, they're deep into that car. Oh, yeah. Right? They're, like, handsy with it. It's like, dude, like, yeah. someone's got a buff and wash. I mean, that's, they're going to be mad. It was like Franklin and Linda Blair's character in the yeah. garage. Yeah. <laughs> but there's multiple dudes on the car. And the one guy tells Bobby, he's like, look at the car, then look at yourself. There's three things that don't match. And then he makes a $5 bet that she'll skate with him that night. And now we get some great, and I'm telling you, great 70s roller skate montaging with disco music and dancing going on inside. Hair, clothes, dances. It's everything you want this movie to deliver on right here, right now. (laughs) Like, you knew this scene was going to happen in this movie. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. And they nailed it, because, you know, it goes, it gets ridiculous, like, that scene where... do you remember the waitress, like, like doing tricks with the tray as she's skating oh, around? Yeah. I was like, yes! Like, it turns, like, into, like a, like, a physical comedy routine for a, sh- a brief moment when she's on the screen. Yeah, it's just people going in circles, skating, doing moves, having crazy hair, having a weird-looking shirt. It's, it's, when I get a movie called Roller Boogie, and I sit down to watch it, if it doesn't have this, failure. And they and give it I, to me within the first 15 minutes. When I saw, when this scene was happening, I thought, was roller skating ever this much fun? Like, was there ever just, like, a, an enormous group of people? Like, it's Saturday night. Let's go out to the... the... It was. It, it's Okay, here's the thing. But, like, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous. There well, there was a guy, like, break dance roller skating. Yeah. I, I'm gonna t- like, I was going to talk about this towards the end, but I just... Not, like. I realized this movie, I'm like, well, when Disco died, it took, like, two things with it. It took roller skating and bowling. I mean, we still have bowling. Mm -hmm. We still have roller skating. But the Disco era, like, gave a heyday. Like, bowlers were rock stars Mm -hmm. during, like, this time. Those guys were making bank. They were, like, partying in every town. They were huge. Uh, Roller skating, big. I mean, tournaments, everybody go on the, you know, Friday, Saturday night, the dancing, everything else. In our youth, Colin, it was like on the wane, where you know people. Well, yeah, it was just it was it was for uh, roller skating was for preteens, and it probably you know the few uh, roller rinks around now are still for like preteens. Yeah, it was just something you you know you had that day at school where you went to uh, you know to your roller rink, or you had a bir- someone had a birthday party there, you know, mm-hmm, and yeah. you just you know they had a DJ, you skate in circles. I liked it because there was arcade machines, so I'd mm-hmm. skate my skate myself up to the machine, play like Street Fighter or you know something, and you know then you, you do like the the limbo, you do the hokey pokey, mm-hmm. you do the chicken dance. i those were staples of that. There's all night skates. Still, but it wasn't like the place the, to be. I mean, there was no one. You might see there were not, a couple like there, older high school kids there, but they were there for like their little brother's party or just something. Oh yeah, this roller rink in the movie it's full of teenagers and people in the, in their early twenties. There's no way you'd see that man, that group of people in a roller rink today. Yeah, I mean, if you want to see what happened, I mean, if you go to, like, the movie Kingpin, that's bowling, but the same thing happened to roller skating. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the yeah. intro, the, the the opening, the Kingpin, where, you know, Woody Harrelson's this big rock star, and then, you know, go to the modern times, which was the 90s at the time, and it was, and it's probably even worse now. I mean, bowling still just managed to be around, stick around, because, you know, you get leagues and stuff like that, but... What can you offer with roller skating? Yeah, no one wants to watch people dance 
on roller skates anymore. Even though I'm one of those people, I don't want to watch it. But watching this movie, it's like, that's actually really impressive. It is impressive, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know in the, like... Early 90s, rollerblading showed up and sort of took away from four-wheel roller skates. Like, those weren't cool anymore for a while. And then rollerblading became uncool. So mm-hmm. people just didn't want to skate unless it was on ice, apparently. <laughs> well, that's always cool. It's our cult from the cavalcade history of sport in the 70s. <laughs> Disco and sports. That'll be our next podcast, Disco Sports. <laughs> Today, High Lie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And this and this whole montage ends when Bobby saves Terry from the stupid guy that falls, and uh, he still they fall on a table, and he holds on to her till she says she'll skate with him. She wants to pay him ten dollars an hour well, to, yeah. to dance on the skate. Well, that, it was a, it was another instance of a guy being just a, a lecherous creep, because he is literally like has his arms around her and will not let her leave mm-hmm. until she agrees to skate. And I just thought, oh, God, movie. Like, it's, like and, uh, and the movie thinks it's being sweet and funny. Yeah, it's like, like no, he looks like a complete shithead. Like, and he's gross. He's been drooling and feeling entitled the whole time. Tries to follow her into the bathroom, and then he gets <laughs> Our hero, out of there. Yeah. Uh, then we get the DJ, and uh, he announces it's couples only time. Okay, everybody, it's time to play. It is couples only time, couples only. But Terry then comes out of the bathroom, they go skate, and Bobby's friend, man, he sits and he tries so hard to skate with Lana, and she's just coldly ignoring him. He's spitting all kinds of game, and she is rightfully ignoring him. Yeah, she's not even looking at him, opening her mouth. She's just staring at the skate rink. But then I think later on she ends up in the skate rink with him. Maybe it was just a a mistaken like shot or something, or he was bad continuity in the editing, or he was just or he was just next to her. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, yeah, his stalking. So Bobby takes. Terry over to meet the rink owner, Jammer Delaney, a former roller derby player. He fixes her skate, and, and she, Terry, rolls away from him, says, keep the change, Bobby James. Credit Linda Blair. You know she did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it be great if I said this as I, as I well, she, uh, rolled away? She knows away? how to deliver it. There's a certain way that only yeah. she can say it. And she ends up skating off with, like, two dudes. Yeah. Like, like who? wait, wait a minute. What? Who are these guys? They just instantly know, like, oh, she's available. Go get her now. There's more lecherous dudes coming up. And something we can all relate to at the mansion pool the next day. Terry, oh. Lana, and Franklin are hanging out, even though Franklin tried to rape the day before. I guess it's just, yes. hey, if, if the McFlies kept Biff around, I guess. You're right. Exactly. She's she's Lorraine, and <laughs> he's Biff. Uh, her parents, she finds out, are in Palm Springs. She's kind of pissed they didn't tell her. And this lets her go back to the beach where they don't want her to be. And so if, her par- so if her parents are in Palm Springs, why is Franklin even there? Because she doesn't seem to like him, and his parents aren't there. He's just at their house. I, I think he's just like that childhood friend guy that, I don't know, he's Franklin. You, you, you think that after he accosted her in the garage... She would say, I don't think I want you in my house when my parents aren't around, you sexual predator. At the beach, there's a weight area? People are, like, lifting <laughs> weights out in the middle yeah. of... Well, you know, it, it's like Muscle Beach. It's like okay. that kind of vibe. But these guys don't have muscles. They somehow found the skinniest, rattiest-looking men 
on the planet right. and put them in this movie. Bobby's lifting, and headphones and this other dude are messing with, is it Hoppy, this other lifter? It's not important. Not important. The long guy, Mark is. Van Patten, uh, that's the actor's name. When I was watching the movie, I thought that he would probably have more on-screen chemistry with Linda Blair than Bobby did in the movie. Uh, he... he has something going on. He's certainly more charismatic. Bobby leaves to practice while his friends give him shit and talk about how he always wants something he can't have. And Terry's rich friends are all concerned where she's going at the beach and leaves them there when she gets there. She's like, ah, I'm going. And she finds Bobby uh, sitting on a bench and says he owes her 45 minutes. All right. And he... <laughs> He shows off a move and then talks about the Olympic, and she starts getting really frisky with him. Yeah. To my knowledge, roller skating was not an Olympic event. And uh, America didn't go to those Olympics that he's talking about. (coughs) (laughs) Strike number two, Bobby. Instead of seeing them skate, we then watch them get handsy and make outie at the beach. Yeah, she's just rubbing them all up and down. Like, and that's what I mean, where this does not allow them to, like, have chemistry. Like, things like, like, what? It went here? Yeah, like, from, from out of nowhere. It's not like he was even, like, hitting on her. And then all of a sudden, she just is just decides, like, no, I'm super into him. She's like, Mommy and Daddy didn't tell me they were going to Palm Screens? Fine, I'm going to go fuck that guy at the rink last night. <laughs> if she just would like, have that's, said... That's to- pretty much what it... I mean, <laughs> she had no desire to go skate. She just used skates as a tool to go talk to him. Yeah. Because she wanted a bone. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, when she said, like, if we, we does that, what, that spin move, he's, you know, she says, if you're trying to impress me, it's working. Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was, and sure, it was impressive, I guess, but it was impressive. The way she says it, it's like, I'm impressed in my pants. And the beach, he's concerned that she's coming on too strong. I just don't understand you coming on so strong and all what do you want from me what does any woman want from a man look you're not no bimbo from the boardwalk are you sure you want to do it i don't believe you just said that i don't believe i said it either you're not figuring on paying me for this too are you when the hell was that for i mean you started it because i didn't plan to be seduced on the beach she goes back to her car and franklin tries to stop bobby bobby like decks him and then she leaves her friends. She gets in her car and leaves Franklin and Lana behind with Bobby. And then Bobby's friends give them a ride at the produce truck. <laughs> that they just drive around. Yeah. I Like, I don't understand why they have a produce truck. I feel like the produce is probably like three months old. Yeah. They don't seem to sell it or do anything with it other than just drive it and around. Everyone's always eating off of it. Yeah, like if you want fruit, there's easier ways to obtain it than driving it around in the back of your truck. At Barkley Manor, is that what their her house is? I don't know. Terry's moping on the stairs and asking her parents if they love her and her mom starts pulling out pills. Yeah. Because she's freaking out about leaving for college and her mom's like, "Here, I got these pills." One of the bottles quaaludes. Yes, quaaludes. <laughs> Uh, uh. And so she gets in a fight with her mom over her future and then takes off for a drive along the coast to some disco music and pulls well, over the, to stare in the night sky. And, like, Terry's upset because she's a music genius, but she doesn't like being a music genius, and she doesn't want to go to the Juilliard. <laughs> what she wants is to win the roller boogie contest at the beach. 
it's, and it's so ridiculous. It's like within, you know, within like seconds of each other, she says these two things. That's what she, she doesn't want to go to the Juilliard. She wants to win a roller boogie contest. And I just thought, how short sighted are you, Terry? I can't believe that she, she has the opportunity to go to the most prestigious music. Well, maybe not, whatever, but a very highly regarded school. And she's just like, ah, F it. I want to win a contest on the beach. Like, I don't, like, it, it, it does suck to be so really good at something that you don't care about. That is unfortunate. But when it's such a, I don't know, I think it's a big, pretty big and important thing. She doesn't like playing the flute. So what? If she goes to Juilliard, she could probably learn to compose or play a different instrument or just, you know, transition it into something else, not just at effort. I'm going to focus on this flash in the pan trend and, and that's going to be, uh, that's what I want to do right now. Total waste of time. Terry. Yes. Dumb kids. The next morning from her car phone, she calls the pay phone by Bobby's apartment and they go Which to is literally like a phone, like yeah. a big full sized phone. Oh yeah. I had a friend that had one of those. I do, it, well, I maybe have been the '90s version of one, but they had that, yeah. and it was just like, wow. But, those. but it wasn't. But it wasn't even like the the phone that had the buttons on the handset. It looked like a full on phone from 1980 that they just put inside a car. She apologizes to him for the day at the beach, and says she'd like still like him to teach her. And he starts upping the price on her until she gives up. But then he, he lets her know that he's not interested in money, but he's interested in doing it on his own terms. And we then see her father on the phone with the mom talking about how she's missing. And it's it's really awkward. He's like, oh, she's missing. Or Sounds like the mom doesn't care, but the dad's like trying to force himself to care. It's really weird. These are not good parents. We knew that from the beginning, but we didn't know how bad of parents they were. Oh, they just keep getting more awful. This is them being good parents compared to what happens later in the movie. The training begins, and a little bit of a montage happens. It's all on the same day, with humorous mm -hmm. follies and romance stuff. But by sundown, yeah. we get to some strolling on the beach and some lip-locking. Oh, yeah. At, at this point in the movie, he can't lift her up because he's, what, 98 pounds? <laughs> Like, like that part of the movie, I believe, like, Linda Blair is not a, like, a heavy woman. She's like a, a regular sized woman. But this dude is, it looks a good wind when yes. him over. Yeah. <laughs> he struggles on windy days. That night at the rink, because after a day of roller skating, that's what they're going to do with their night. They're still making out, but they're up for more skating. And she tells him things are beginning to make a lot of sense. And she was only an ice skater at six and has been roller skating for three weeks. That helped oh, yeah. to know that. It was like, how is she so good all of a sudden? Because she is, after a few minutes of being taught by uh, by Bobby, she's roller skating on one leg backwards. They're like, wait a minute. Come on, movie. He's, he's like the Michael Jordan of roller skating. He makes everyone around him better. I guess so. But it's also, um, it's not just her character that's good. Like, Linda Blair's actually doing these things. Right, it's yeah. Like the, she, didn't, yeah like the, she did most of her work until it was, like, action-oriented stuff later on. That she did, mm -hmm. they had two stunt doubles for her that were barely used. Yeah, it's, it's like, you watch the movie and you wonder, like, did she know how to do this before? Because she's actually really good. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just, like, get me Linda Blair, that'll be a name that we can stick in the movie. She's actually very good at this. And there's this sort of dance-off thingy that happens where everybody gets in a circle. And it's like Saturday Night Fever when they're at the club mm -hmm. and everybody gets around Tony and he does his thing. Or, people, yeah, but, or they pass it off between people. But but somehow uh, when they all like get like in a, 
I don't want to say a conga line, but it's a it's a big line. Somehow they all know how to perfectly split off into separate lines. Oh, and their from choreography the is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like they had to get together. Like, okay, gang, when we get to this point in the music, we're going to need ten rows of five, and you all do your own little thing. Then you come back into the large line, and then we'll go the other way. That's the only way that this could happen. They had to predetermine what they were going to do. It's way too elaborate. Uh, it, it ends when Terry stumbles and falls, and there's like this domino effect from everybody. Some suspicious men in suits show up at Jammer's and mm-hmm. head to go see Jammer Delaney in his office. And Phones then realizes he needs something from up in the storage closet upstairs. And in the in the meeting with the suits in Jammer, the guy's name's Thatcher. They're threatening him to sell off the rink so they can build a mall. And this one guy comes to like threaten him, and it's almost like the pencil breaking scene. In Top Secret. And the guy, like, like trying to be intense with the pencil. And he, like, bends some little things. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jammers, he's getting pressured. And he doesn't, you know, want to... He's not going to sell out or whatever. And Phones overhears this from the supply room. And then they notice, he notices that Jammers being held by gunpoint with him and getting roughed up. And Terry and Bobby also witness it through this little vent or something. And then we see a close-up of the cassette player from Phones for some reason. Maybe we'll find out. The cassette player that Phones has strapped onto him at all times. I want folks to remember that. Anytime we mention Phones, he has... Like Except for one time. Except for one Except time. Except for one time. Right. The darkest but, timeline phones. <laughs> but every time you see him, other than that time, he does have a big cassette recorder, like, slinged over his arm like a message cans over his ears. His phones must sleep with this stuff on. He sleeps with them, he showers with them, he picks up women with them, he takes them back home, impresses them with his skating, and he keeps them on the entire time. And by the way, we're, what, like, halfway through the movie or so? Yeah. And th- this is the first time the, the plot of the roller disco being in jeopardy happens. We're halfway through the movie. Yes. And it's now introduced. Seems like they could have, like, not had this part of the movie, and it still would have been a movie. The meeting is starting to, like, end, so Terry, Bobby, and... Phones haul ass down the stairs, which and they have the roller skates on, so they all fall the hell down the stairs. Terry's all, I've never been so scared in my life. And uh, Jammer then sits in his office and starts boozing up as Bobby tries to open the door to say, hey, let me in, let me in. And the suits, as they're walking out, give them all a stare down. Bobby and everybody try to find the other friends, gang, characters we've seen in this movie already. Mm-hmm. Um and put their heads together on what to do. And then Lana is outside driving around looking for Terry, and then Bobby's friends, Halfler, calling her Twin Peaks. Yeah, hey, Twin Peaks, went a mountain climb? Yeah. Yeah, I... But then they they say, she's looking for Terry, who they damn well know is inside the rink. Tell her they're going to go help find her. So they drive off, and then Jammer drunkenly goes to the skate floor, takes over the DJ stand, and kicks everyone out. Hey man, what's happening? Get out of the way. Everybody out! Jammer, Come on, didn't you hear me? I said, everybody out! It's all over. I'm closing this place down for good. I'm sorry, kids. Want a drink? I'm awful sorry. And then the gang finds the friends and talk what's going on. And they say they just can't go to the cops about this. Cops aren't going to, you know, cops don't arrest guys in suits. I, I, you know, 
That's true. <laughs> Think, uh, some things never change. Suggested that Terry's lawyer dad help Jammer, and she agrees to return home and ask. I do love that when they're trying to figure out what to do, she says, like, I'm a runaway! And the gang will go, it's like, oh, no. Like, it was like, well, I guess we can't explore that option. What else can we do? Like, And then she says, well, I've been gone for a day. It's like, yeah, you've been gone for a day. A day. It's fine. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Go back home and do this yeah. for the rink. Her parents are up at night on their telephones. They're waiting for her. She returns. And her mom asks if she's pregnant. She's like, I've only been gone overnight. And her mom's like, well, how long does it take these days? The fuck? <laughs> And her dad thinks she's wasting her brilliance on disco and skating. Guess what? Dad's right. He's right. He's brilliant. Dad's right. Uh, He's not the bad guy in this movie. Well, I mean, he kind of is, but not in this situation. Yes. They agree to have their friends, let their friends come talk to him after the recital the next day. And so we go to that day, and Bobby and company roll up in the produce truck, and they're all like their idea of dressed up. And they get to the house, and they're like, hey, look, it's a grass party. Uh-huh. (laughs) which is just people standing around on grass. Basically right now, in this part, it's the typical poor people at the rich event stuff. And you see movies like, like, oh, hors d'oeuvres, oh, what's this? Yeah, like the only thing missing is someone taking a napkin and tucking it into their shirt. Yep. Because one of the guys... Or picking up a napkin and it's a tablecloth and pulling everything off of it. Yeah. I mean, one of these guys is wearing a tuxedo t-shirt... Uh, and it is was is uh Jim Brain like a leisure suit? It's like a gold chain around his neck away from one. Like it's Well he's he's just wearing the jacket of a leisure suit. Yeah, he's, okay. But he's still wearing jeans. He's got that big collared shirt on too. So he's like I'm trying to think how to put this. You know in the eighties when it became fashionable to wear a sports jacket with jeans? He's doing that but with a leisure suit jacket. It does not work. Speaking of working, guess who's working at the party or working the mom? The evil suits hanging with Terry's mom, and they also spot them. It's in time for the performance, and they watch Terry play as they try to avoid the suits, which winds up in people just falling in the pool, including Franklin and his mom. And Terry's pissed and embarrassed and won't talk to Bobby. And rightfully so. But I'd be pissed, too. Terry does fight with her dad about her friends while her mom and evil Thatcher are in the room. And he tells her she's never going to see her friends again. But she confesses about what she saw Thatcher do. But her dad doesn't believe her and slaps her for not apologizing to Thatcher. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, damn. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the beach, we get a push bike cop <laughs> who gives bad news to Bobby that Jammer's going to sell out. And uh, this guy, man, I, I feel bad. He looks like he's out of breath, like, constantly on that bike. Like, oh, <laughs> he, yeah. oh guys. Oh, it's, his, it's, it's his first week being a bike cop. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Because this is, this is a thick dude on a bike. This is the, the white version of Max Trainer from Punch-Out. Like uh, yeah. Punch out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what he looks like on the bike. But, he, but he's also dressed, like, if one of the village people were a bike cop <laughs> like a bicycle cop that's how that guy's dressed there we go perfect bobby and his friends get get in a fight with each other and then reveals that terry maybe tells him terry isn't talking to him so bobby rolls around a closed jammers lights down he finds a drunken upset jammer says he's gonna bobby's gonna be the greatest and bobby dedicates a song to him and it's a ballad it's called lord is mine by bob etsy i as, can't believe as that. he skates solo <laughs> 
but that, like Bobby's way of cheering Jammer up was, "Watch me skate." Look at me. Like, how is? <laughs> yeah, how is that gonna make him feel better? It's like, well, my business is going under. All these, all these kids that love to do this one thing every day of the week don't really have an outlet for it anymore. Let me watch this one person skate by himself in the dark. And the way he's doing it almost looks like it should cut back to Jammer. And every once in a while, you just see him rubbing his nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Just me and you, we are two. As I roll four by four, I dedicate this song to you. Uh, God. He skates solo and he finishes Terry's in the dark, clapping for him. He tells her it's all over, there won't be a contest, and he won't be messing up her life anymore. But then she tells him she loves him. Yeah, that seemed, um, I mean, when it happened, I said, what? Like, out loud. Like, I, I don't see that at all. Like, I'll buy that you like each other, but you love each other? You've known each other a few days. Ah. We see Bobby on the beach as she writes a love letter to him, saying that she has to go away to an aunt's on the East Coast before starting Juilliard. And Bobby wanders the beach as a spy reports to Thatcher that he's got him marked. Those darn skating kids! <laughs> and on the strip, he sees his friends, he finds phones has retired and given his music to one of the other guys and is with, a, like, a Buddhist group or something? Like a Hare Krishna, Like a, like a bunch of Gandhis walking. The tape is playing, and the music ends, and then he hears a recording of Thatcher's threatening jammer, and Hoppy gives him the keys to his produce truck, and they're going to turn the tape into the authorities. And then another Thatcher guy is out, and he reports trouble to Thatcher. And Terry at her house... House... Mansion is packing up and saying bye to Lana and Franklin. Why is Franklin there? I don't get... Like, every other time in the movie, it's been like, okay, Oh, you know he's going to show up at Juilliard. You oh, know. I bet you're... Yeah. Oh, that lecherous piece of shit. You're right. It's what he would do. He would go across the country to feel up her thighs again. Oh. Jackass. But Bobby rolls up to pick her up and tells her about the tape. Bobby throws Franklin in the trunk of her car, and then Bobby, Terry, and Lana leave, and the kids all group around Jammer and tell him about the tape, but he's not interested because he's worried the kids will get hurt. He says he's going to go off to Arizona, but he changes his mind and says they can use the rink for one more night. Thatcher shows up in his limo, and then Bobby tells the friends he's got to get word out that the contest is on that night and to talk to the police. And the rest start throwing produce at the goons. See, it was useful, Colin. That's what it was for. Is that what it's for? Like, they just drive around a produce truck in case they have to throw yes, at, watermelons at people? At goons. At real estate tycoon, guys. Terry and Bobby escape on skates, and the limo gets chased. And I want to point out, this is the only time people wear helmets in the movie. Yes, when they're being chased. When they're being chased, so you can't tell who the stunt doubles are. And that's immediately what I thought when I saw them put the helmets on. Like, this is the time that you choose to put on helmets? Because most of the roller skating, I should say most of the roller skating, but a lot of the roller skating takes place around the beach, you know, on the sidewalk. Seems like that might be a good place for it, too. But it's only when they're getting chased down by a limousine where they put on a helmet. So lots of lots of stunts, antics, and half pipes going right now. Which yeah, they they end up going to a skate park, but it's not a skateboard park. It's a roller skate park. It's badass, right? Yeah, it, it's designed exactly the same way. 
but it's everyone's on roller skates. It was weird. I'm going to say it was weird. It was weird. I mean, this is, Cause there, this is roller, roller Skatesville, USA. I mean, this is pretty much what this place is. They seem to be doing a lot of the same moves that you would do on a skateboard, but they were on roller skates. It was odd. This winds up in them hitchhiking a ride on the limo back to Jammers. Yeah, so the people that were chasing them, they decided, hey, let's hang on the back of their car, where at any given moment they could just hit the brakes and chase us again. Idiots. (laughs) At Jammers, Thatcher and the goons show up with their guns out. Going after these kids. Yeah. Like, whoa, this, you guys are a little, like, what are you going to do? Like, you going to kill these kids? That's what I thought. I mean, this is a big group of kids, too, at this point. Jammer agrees to give Thatcher the whole place if he lets the kids just hold the contest, but Thatcher's not interested. He wants the tape from Bobby, and Bobby hands it over, but then Terry snatches it and puts it in her boobs, mm-hmm. and then the crazy skating guy comes in and crashes into the goons, where a struggle ensues. A gun goes off, but then our, our favorite cop shows up, and he says, What is this? Some new disco dance? <laughs> and the guy, he says it with such conviction that he was like, Man, I'm going to look so badass in this movie. <laughs> and he would look more badass if he wasn't wearing that that outfit. uniform! It's the uniform! The kids demand that this tape be played, but Terry's dad shows up to basically be an asshole. And he wants Thatcher, you know, get get Thatcher, Thatcher out of there. He's not involved with this. But Phones gets the tape to the booth, plays it aloud. Then Terry's dad yells him to turn off the inadmissible evidence. Because it is. If you were to play it in front of those all those people, you can't put that into evidence. Right. Terry's dad says, after hearing it, that the contract is unequivocally and totally invalid. After hearing the tape, and the crowd goes wild, the fat bike cop takes Thatcher away, and the big boogie contest begins, which is just a montage of the competition, except for Terry and Bobby's dance. It's a full routine. Guess who wins? The only characters' names that we know, yes. Terry and Bobby win. And it sounds like they didn't win because of their dance. They're like, well, you guys kind of saved this place, so you won. <laughs> yes. Well, but you know, their routine was very good. I, yeah. I don't know about the others, because we didn't really see them that much. I mean, we saw lots of roller boogieing at this point in the movie. I don't know who was actually competing or who was just having fun. And and by the way, like like you said, w- with the guns, we got to <laughs> mention this. They've got the guns pointed at all these kids. What did they think they were going to get away with? But that's what I'm talking about. Like, like yeah, like like even if he were to to shoot them, what would he have conceivably said to gotten away with? With shooting these people that are unarmed, and like a big group of them, like, and there's no way he could just like shoot all of them and just like you know get rid of all of them, you know, like you'd be going away for murder over this. Like, what was the end game here? Like, come on. Yeah, is a new mall worth the lives of these people? <laughs> I wish they would have called the the bluff on that and said like, wait, no, you're not gonna kill me in front of these people. Up yours. And just... And just roller skated away. Some time's gone by at the strip. Terry rolls up to Bobby and his friends, who his friends split. And she's got the trophy with her and wants Bobby to have it. She says there's no room in her suitcase. And they make sure they have each other's addresses and tells them he's going to be big and famous. And they promise to write each other. And she drives away, but she stops. And they look back. They give each other a wave. And credits roll as Jim Bray roller skates toward the sunset of his movie career. And two years, Linda Blair's Terry realizes, made the right choice. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, that's why... And her father um, says, told you. I'm not such a bad guy after all. Well, I am to your mother and you. But I was right about this situation. And Thatcher. I was wrong about him. But, damn disco. And it's uh, very appropriate that as Terry is driving away, I assume the song is called Summer Love. That plays like, yes, thank you. Acknowledge that this relationship really it, it isn't going to mature, go anywhere. Mature has a mature conclusion. Like, yeah. you realize that it was just like a, a little summer thing. She's got something. I mean, she doesn't hate playing the flute. She just, you know, was kind of wanted some free time in her last summer. Mm-hmm. And wanted to yeah. do a little something before, before she went. And for as silly as the movie has been this point, it really logically, it knows where to finish with these characters. It, it knows the right move, the right thing, where, you know, it may not have handled them and have been rocky throughout the proceedings. That it knows where to knows where to finish it. It knows how yeah. to do that, which a lot of movies don't. You know, most movies in this era would have been like, I'm not going to, to Juilliard. We're going to stay and roller skate. And, and luckily, you know, they don't know that disco and roller skating is a fad at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they yeah. could have made that decision. It's like the uh, Reality Bites. This movie made in the 90s with Ethan Hawke and Winona Ryder and uh, Janine Garofalo uh, with Ben Stiller, which she makes a horribly in-the-moment fad decision that just haunts that movie to this day of being like, what in the, what a fucking moron. But it was the, <laughs> the cool and right decision of the day. Yeah. Like, seriously, if you, I mean, yeah, you watch Reality Bites today, and, like, Ben Stiller's character was supposed to be this, like, villain, and you're kind of like, he's a nice guy. Like, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, Ethan Hawke, and now you're like, what a dumbass. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been a really, really sad ending if she decided, yeah. I'm going to roller boogie my future. Maybe it's because we're adults, Ugh. but, I mean, it's just, yeah, I was so happy that this movie ends like this, and... You know, they just realized, yeah, it, it was a thing. Uh, we'll write to each other till we, you know, end up meeting other people and forget about each other. Or they would have Jim Bray going, you know what? There's a skate competition in New York. It's Roller Boogie 2. Which there was, they were going to make Roller Boogie 2. And then Disco died. And roller skating <laughs> became less popular. It was, it was called Acapulco Roller, roller Boogie. And it was, it, and it was only, it was only bringing back Linda Blair. No Jim Bray. Ooh, well, Good. Because that's the only part of the movie we want to see. Yeah, Acapulco Roller Boogie. Oh my god, that's a, that's a fantastic game! <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's the, the Tokyo Drift of uh, roller skating. <laughs> like, oh my god. It's, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy, but yeah, the fad died out and the movie, the movie somehow knew it. Yeah. I'm surprised the canon group didn't get their hands on that script and try to make it anyway. I mean, we got two break-ins. Well, yeah, they came out. Well, within a year of each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's it's shocking, honestly, that they made the right decision. It's very refreshing. Congratulations, movie. You did it. You're next. I don't think so. Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just discussed. As we are cults in the cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our options are stay with your family, which means eh, no beach for you. Hang out at the mansion and play your flute. Converted. Let's go hang out for a summer down at Jammers and maybe enter a competition. Or drink of the Kool-Aid. 4 by 4 roller skate for life, bitches. Cullen, how do you rate Roller Boogie? 
this movie is almost like a time capsule of the time or what people or I guess executives perceived the time to be for youth. So it was that's an entertaining piece of the movie. Also, Linda Blair is always, always fun to watch. The, the chemistry between her and Bobby, not not great, but I do like that there's stuff in the movie, like when she's coming on really strong to Bobby at the beach, he says, you know, you're coming on, uh, you know, pretty strong out of nowhere. And I'm glad the movie like acknowledges that, like it calls itself uh, on that kind of stuff. And it does it with that. And it kind of does it with its ending as well. Like, let's call this for what it is. This is probably isn't going anywhere. So as silly as it is for a movie to begin with five minutes of people doing nothing but roller skating, like everyone roller skating, it still has moments where it is realistic, and thank goodness for that. Uh, I do think that the uh, we got to save the roller rink part of the movie didn't even need to be in the movie. It could have just been like a love story between her and and Bobby, but there had to be chemistry between them, which there wasn't. So I guess if you had a better actor, you could have gone with the love story, but because it was just just no sparks you almost needed the roller rink story to sustain a movie but i was i was not bored at all in this movie i thought it was really entertaining and uh, i would not be upset if i watched this movie again even though linda blair didn't get topless in it i was still entertained by it so i say that i am converted on roller boogie brandon how do you rate roller boogie this isn't the best movie. This is a dumb movie. It's a silly movie. As much as there's no chemistry between the leads, it charms the viewer's pants off. Maybe it's a point of nostalgia or something. Like, the the, the score, the so- or the soundtrack. Fun, it gets you moving, but and it feels important, but I forget it right away. I don't know if they utilize the songs correctly or whatnot, because, like, in Saturday Night Fever, which this movie wants to be, they will use some of the songs from the soundtrack multiple times, so they're on your brain, and they stick with you. You always remember them, plus that's one of the greatest soundtracks ever, and, you know, up and down, everybody knows it. This one wants to have that, but the songs just aren't as memorable. Funny, because it's silly with the skating and the fads and all that, and it's fun to watch for some reason. There's, It's not a great movie, maybe not even a good movie, but it's fun to watch, and... Linda Blair's fine, and, you know, Kimberly Beck, one of my Friday the 13th crushes. Always good to see her, and this may be the only other thing I've ever seen her in. Can't be too sure. But it's a a solid converted for me. It's just weird. I can't explain it, but I just enjoy watching this movie. It's surprisingly fun. It's because maybe the music keeps you bouncing. You know, that's maybe part of it. The music is an unusual factor in this movie, because like you said, it's I, not... I mean, I can't have a nostalgia for it. I, I can't relate. I didn't live in yeah. that time. I was I was born towards the end of disco, and when I roller skated, it was like we were talking earlier. Not, yeah. you know, the Friday night, go down to the strip. The music in the movie is very fitting for the movie, but it's also completely forgettable. Yeah, yeah. No, it... it it sounds like it's important or that I'm going to remember the song. And then 10 minutes later, I can't even hum it. Uh, I think Boogie Wonderland might have been in the movie. Maybe that was just in the trailer. I, I, I don't even remember. That's how forgettable the music is. Hell on Wheels, Cher song, starts the movie. It's got Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Boogie Wonderland was on there. Okay. A lot of, there's a couple songs by like Ron Green and Bob Essie. 
uh, who were not known for being like artists themselves, but they were songwriters for other people who wrote big songs. Or they wrote big songs, they just didn't perform them. But I that, think the only reason I remember Boogie Wonderland is because the movie is called Roller Boogie. Yeah. If it wasn't like in the title, I would, I would probably blank it being in the movie totally. Right, and uh, that Lord is Mine song, the, uh, the ballad dedicated from Bobby to Jammer, that, that mm-hmm. one sounds good. I, I don't. It's just it sounds important of the time, and it kind of just works for the moment. But it, it mm-hmm. still winds up being forgettable. But that's a that's a showstopper, I guess. So yeah, happy birthday, Linda. We've we did drink the Kool Aid last year on your birthday. This year we have only converted. <laughs> to be fair, Seven Streets is better than this. Seven Streets movie. is a lot amazing. better than this movie. Yeah, Seven Streets is a you know yeah. that's one of the best movies we've done on the show, hands down. And I think yeah. I think one of our listeners has said it was. One of their favorite movies that they discovered through our show. So that's always awesome. Yeah, well, that, it's a it's a movie with a direct plot. It's a revenge movie. You know who this person's getting revenge on, and you know why they're getting revenge, and you root like hell for them, even though what they're doing is wildly illegal. And I don't know how she doesn't get arrested in the movie. You still cheer for her. Now that we know what you don't want, what is it that you do? Well, now. I want to win a roller boogie contest down at the beach. A roller boogie contest? On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we're going to sort of keep this uh, 1980 free skate going as we talk the Olivia Newton-John musical epic Xanadu. And joining us for discussion will be radio legend Christy Lee from Christy Lee Interrupted, but you probably famously know her from the Bob and Tom show. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. I hope she wants to talk to us after she watches Xanadu. Noteworthy, we will be our first episode recorded at Creative Zombie Studios, who production house that houses our podcast. That would be a, a real Brad Shoemaker production, huh? <laughs> yes, it will. If you're going to listen to one episode from this year... <laughs> First of all, why are you only listening to one? One. Don't stop there. This episode has come to an end. We look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Xanadu. The trailer actually trails. Open your eyes and hear the magic. Universal Pictures announces the most dazzling romantic musical fantasy in years. Xanadu. Starring Olivia Newton-John. Michael Beck. And Gene Kelly. Xanadu. It's a love story about a boy and girl from two very different worlds whom no one can keep apart. It's a spectacular entertainment that will transport you beyond your dreams. Xanadu. 
where time stops and the magic never ends. Xanadu. Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the Creative Zombie Studios Network and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find more of Brandon's work at whysoblue.com and on Twitter at BTPeters. Podcast produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon. Narration by Becky. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the freemusicarchive.org network. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please remember to leave us an iTunes rating and review. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Oh, Bobby. It's all over. But you're, you're gonna be the greatest, Bobby. The greatest?